When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. This week, you get just me. And there's a reason for that. The name of my podcast is called Transforming 45. And if you listen to my first episode, I talked about the reasons why I used the number 45. It was the age I was when I started this podcast. And I talked about knowing that I was going to increase in age through this podcast, but that 45 was a really important marker for me. And so it was an important part of the title and why I chose it. And last week I turned 46. So podcast remains transforming 45 because that is a marker. It's a date. It's a number that reminds me of when I chose myself and I chose to launch into my own transformation and I transformed again into 46. And this podcast, the topic of this podcast has been rolling around in my heart and my mind and my soul for a really long time. And I have avoided it because it is not easy. I'm not really a procrastinator. Uh, Usually I'm really just excited to get in here and to report, record a podcast and to be in that creative process. And this week I have been putting it off because I know that there is something rolling around in the collective right now that is bringing forth the energy of this topic and this podcast, and it still is not easy. Talking to the topic of this podcast is emotional. And so I'm going to put that out there to start. I am going to be talking a lot about grief. So this whole podcast will not be sad. I promise (laughs) there's going to be lots. There are going to be moments of lightness, but there are going to also be moments that might activate a part that is holding pain and that is holding grief. So I want you to know that and choose when you are able to listen to this podcast. And if you're not able to listen today, that's okay. I hope that someday you will be able. And if you are feeling in a place where you can hear my story and let it sink into your own experience, then settle in. And when the podcast is over, please let me know how you experienced it. 
what did you connect with? What resonated for you? What was different? Because experiences of grief are so vastly different. So I'm going to speak from my experience today and tell my own story and my own experiences with my grief journey. So I got a tattoo last week. It was a gift to myself through my birthday and Mother's Day. I was actually born on Mother's Day. And when my mom was alive, I would always joke that I was the gift that kept on giving. So May 8th, 1977 was a Mother's Day. And when I was younger, before I lost my mom, it didn't have the same kind of emotional resonance that it does now. But now having my birthday and Mother's Day so close together makes for a really challenging week. And so the tattoo was my way of honoring and creating a ritual to acknowledge the journey I've been on so far and to create a space, a physical space on my body that is beautiful and that is meaningful and that is a space to hold the grief that I experience during that time because no one celebrates your birthday the same way that your mother does because a mother and a child are the only two people who had that experience and together each human had a very different experience while that was happening but they had that experience together and so since I lost her, I have deeply missed that experience of celebration of my entry into the world and to her becoming a mother on Mother's Day. So my tattoo is um, a lilac sprig. And I chose the lilac sprig because... When my mom was diagnosed with cancer, it was right around this time of year. So another layer in complexity of emotion in this section of May. And she had always loved lilacs, as, as do I. And at the first house we lived in, in my hometown of Meaford, there was a line of lilacs that went down both sides of our house. And I would always be so excited when the lilacs bloomed because when the lilacs bloom, it's the heralding of the realness of spring in Canada. Spring is a long, slow burn and it takes a long time to get to the rejuvenation. But when it does, the sweetness is palpable and powerful. The 
vividness of the green, which is what I'm looking at right now as I look at my window, the vividness of the green is just so fresh and is a constant reminder that life always returns. And when the lilacs would bloom, it was that next step towards summer, toward all of the exciting things that happen through May and June and that launch us into that summer season, which is so precious for those of us who live in climates that are cold a good portion of the year. And so we have taken, when we moved from that house, my mom scooped some of the lilacs and planted them at the, at the, at our next home. And then when I moved into my first home, I scooped some of those lilacs and I planted them at my first home. And when we moved again, leaving those lilacs behind was not easy. And I scooped some of them and I planted them here. And right now they are in the most beautiful, full bloom. And when my mom was diagnosed with cancer, at this time of year. One thing she asked for was for us to bring her some lilacs. They smell beautiful. I know in my soul they have a healing capacity. And what she said was, please bring me lilacs because I don't know that I'll ever see them again. And so lilacs hold this deep meaning for me of healing, of joy, and of sorrow, but also this beautiful kernel of my mom's soul that was so deeply connected to the beauty of the natural world that she needed to have that experience of lilacs one last time. So that's why the lilacs live on my arm because now it's a constant reminder of the beauty of that and of the pain. And that is what this episode is about is the duality of grief because in grieving It's a, it's a connection of something and some or someone that we love so deeply that there's a hole that's left. I often describe the loss of a parent as like feeling like you have one less root in the ground. If you think of yourself as a, as a being that is grounded here um, I know the names of the roots that keep me grounded to the earth. And one of them was my mom. And when she was gone, it was like that root came up out of the earth and was exposed. And for a long time, that root was so sensitive. And it was raw. I'll never forget an example of that rawness was my dad had asked me to take all of my mom's clothes and donate them here in Barrie because if we had donated them in the small town that we lived in, 
that he lived in, he would for sure see people wearing her clothes and that was going to be really painful. So I, I packed up her clothes and I donated them here. And my mom was a woman of style. <laughs> she was grace and beauty and she knew herself what looked good on her and she had a very distinct style that was all her and she had this one beautiful long red coat and it had this gorgeous pattern all over it and it was so signaturely her and so my mom had passed away in October and it was late November, early December. And I was home and one of my kiddos was ill. And so I had gone to a grocery store to pick up some children's Tylenol for that child. And I was standing in an aisle and a woman was walking towards me wearing my mom's coat. And that route was activated that root that had come up and out of the ground and was so raw and was so vulnerable, saw that coat and just went into full flight mode. And I dropped everything that I was carrying and I ran to my car and I drove home and I got through the front door and I just started sobbing. And Ken greeted me at the door in this state of complete emotional disruption and I couldn't get the words out. So poor Ken is like, what happened? He's thinking that, you know, I was in a car accident or so finally I got it together enough to say, no, I'm okay. And this is what happened. And he was a very soft place for me to tell that story and to hold me and to make space for me to have those feelings and have a safe space for that root to feel so exposed. And over time, that root has been able to start to plant itself back down into the earth. And that has been part of my transformation is the ability of that root to know that even though the physical presence of my mom is no longer here. I am here. And the healing process has led me to know that it's okay that I can be the person who puts that root back down and into the earth. And that is where the duality of grief resides. Because I deeply miss and love my mom. And I also know that in her death, there was also some freedom for me. I would have never gotten this tattoo were my mom still alive. Or at least as I knew her at the time. And I have no way of knowing how she would have evolved over time. My mom was a learner. She was a thinker. And so I would imagine that she also would have transformed over time. 
but the mother that I knew at that time would have lost her fucking mind that I got a tattoo. <laughs> it would not have gone well. And yet this ritual was something that I did for she and I. Because the other part of my tattoo, the stem of the lilac says, in the immortal words of Tom Petty, you belong somewhere, you feel free. And so I wear duality on my arm. I wear the duality of that grief of loss of the knowledge of rebirth and beauty and the sensory connection to the earth that comes back every year, no matter how hard the winter has been. And I wear the other half of knowing that I belong somewhere that I feel free and I am the person who can set myself free. I am the only person who can set myself free. And there's a lot of tension that lives in the duality of grief and a knowledge of freedom. And that I think is where I've been hesitant to record this podcast because it sounds like being grateful that someone has passed away. And maybe it's just that I have a different relationship with death. And I think that there is a lot of room for growth and evolution around how we as humans on planet Earth understand death. <laughs> and perhaps one of the other important things to know is that I was with my mom when she died. She was in the hospital. And she was struggling. Like she was, there was a fierceness and an anger about the fact that she was going out of the world at a time where she was finally coming into her own. She had lived her life in service to our family and to other people's expectations. And she had finally gotten to the place where she was owning her story and she was owning her role and she was making the difference that she wanted to make. And in this moment of her own deep transformation of coming into her self and into her leadership, cancer. And so there was a fierceness and there was an anger in her exit from this world. But the experience of watching her leave was actually really powerful. I was in the room alone with her. And I think she only would have gone with just me there. So my dad had left for a few minutes and my grandmother had, had also had another appointment she had to go to. So it was just my mom and I. And I heard a friend of hers, David, who had passed away years before, come into the room. And I heard his laugh right, ringing in my ear. 
And I could also see my grandfather, her dad, who had passed away years before, and my great-grandmother, her grandmother, who had passed away years before, standing on either side of her. My experience of it was that I could see like the outlines of their forms and I could hear almost like the whispers of voices, but I couldn't hear exactly what they were saying. It was like I was seeing them through a veil, but I knew that they were there. And when David came into the room and he laughed, there was this moment where I knew I was like, he is here to help her let go. And I leaned over and I said to her, stop being so stubborn. (laughs) She was one of the most stubborn people I had ever known. And as I said that, I heard David laugh again. And I could see through the veil this sort of conversation happening between these people who loved my mom, who were going to help her let go of this physical world. And finally, David said something, and I don't know what it was, but he said something to her that made her laugh, really laugh. Her spirit laughed, but her physical body also smiled. And in that moment, she left. She left her physical body. And I watched David and my great-grandmother and my grandfather and my mom walk away. And it was a couple of weeks later, I had this dream about her that I know wasn't just a dream. She and I met in this walled garden, and she was wrapped in green light. And she said to me, you're not going to see me for a while because I have a lot of healing to do. I'm going to be here in this healing place. But you will see me again. And I have. (laughs) I see her in so many ways. I see her in... Other dreams I've had where I know it's not just a dream we are meeting in a place. I see her in the lilacs that bloom. I see her in the red cardinal because red was her signature color. And I see her every time that cardinal lands at my bird feeder. So I do have a different relationship with death in that I know in my core that when a physical body is no longer holding that spirit, the spirit is still there. That love is still there and still exists. And I was released from some of the humanness of the expectations of my mom. And when we hold that duality in ourselves of, but I shouldn't feel that way. I shouldn't feel glad that she's not here. And it's not that I'm glad that she's not here, but I am grateful for some of the freedom that I would not have experienced And it wouldn't even necessarily be her, but it is the complexity of the relationship between a mother and a daughter and the expectation that a mother may hold 
or it may be the expectation that I thought she held. And that's where so much of a breakdown of relationship happens because we write a narrative around what somebody who loves us wants, thinks, expects. Sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not. I know my mom's expectations for me were really high. And those, they propelled me forward in ways that were necessary, important. And they also formed parts that I have never, well, that I recognize. And I'm growing to love those parts over time and to understand them and to be able to see them and love them and to give them light. So I'll give you an example. So as I said, my mom was beautiful. She had done modeling in her day. And her expectation around a physical expression was pretty intense. Uh, When I was in high school, I still have the visceral memory of this, of being in our kitchen And it was around 8.30 at night and I was hungry and I was opening the fridge and I was looking for something to eat. And she came in and she looked at me and she said, if you keep eating like this, you are going to be two-ton Annie. (sighs) The complexity of relationships between mothers and daughters. As an old, as a wiser woman now, I can recognize that that was wrapped up in her own fear and her own story about her own physical body and where she found her value when she was younger, because that was what was presented to her, that you are valuable if you are beautiful. And... That narrative that was written for her, that story, also infiltrated my experience of feeling like I had to look perfect on the outside. And that moment, again, held duality because it hurt, it deeply hurt that my mom would say this to me when I just was, I just was hungry. And it fed that feeling of never being enough, that I could never be enough to satisfy her need of perfection. It also alerted me that that was a thing. (laughs) And it planted a seed in me of knowing that that was something that was programmed in her and I didn't have to accept it. I don't know that re- that that realization really came into fruition until much later in my life because I have always held a high expectation for myself. But I was able to evolve that into loving myself. Loving myself enough to care for my physical body without being punishing without it being a threat, but just wanting to care for it so it will 
do for me what I need it to do for as long as I get to be here on this planet. And so it was a thousand tiny moments like that throughout my life that built the cage of expectation. And when she died, a new piece of my heart was born. And that is the grief, that is the grief part. And the grief part has made me more open to the world in so many ways. It made me realize that there is more than one way of being. And it doesn't have to be just the story that we were told or the story of the expectations. So that new part of my heart entered and the cage of expectation was released. I don't know that I ever would have gotten a tattoo if my mother were still alive. I don't know that I ever would have taken this leap of leaving my teaching career and starting my own business because that would have scared the shit out of her. And I know that it was because she wanted security for me. I know that, that her expectation was always coming from a place of her wanting for me what she didn't have herself. And yet those wants and those expectations created a very tight box for me to live in. And so being released from that cage allowed me to experience life in a way I probably would not have. It also meant that I didn't have her to ask questions about motherhood, which has been not an easy thing. I didn't have her to be there for the celebrations of my kiddos, not in the physical presence anyway. I know I still hear her voice whisper in my ear in big moments and small moments. And it meant that I also had freedom to parent my boys in a different way. I don't, she would not have agreed with all my decisions. I know that for sure. (laughs) Not that we're meant as humans to always agree with each other. And there was a freedom for me to be able to step forward into my womanhood, into my power in a way that I wouldn't have if I had continued to follow her shadow. And so this is an important conversation that I think we don't have enough Because grief is not one-dimensional. It is complex. It is as complex as human relationships. And what the fuck is more complex than a human relationship? Nothing. (laughs) So there, there is a picture for us of what grief should look like and what it should be. 
And it is not that at all, at least not in my experience and not in the experience in conversations that I have had with so many humans. That grief is a learning experience. It teaches us about what matters most to us. It teaches us about what we want to continue from our past relationships and how we can live in new and different ways. Grief opens up a new way for us to interact with the world, to be able to connect with other humans who have also had a grief experience. And that connection is really important, especially when you are a younger person. I know I've talked about this before, but I was 30 and nobody else in my circle was, had lost a parent. So when I found other people who had had a similar experience, it was so important for me to connect with them and share my story and hear their story and be able to have that thread of connection. And it also is important for us to be able to express what is real and true about the experience in life that we have because of the grief experience, because of that loss experience. And it is both freedom and joy and fear and pain and all of the things rolled into one. And when we hold the duality of judgment around any feelings that we might have of being set free, it is incredibly energy expensive because I'm holding two opposites. And that creates so much tension in a human because we think that our experience should be one, we, because we think our experience should be one, one way. And so we judge ourselves and we resist. We resist the experience that we think is or that we've been taught is not right or isn't appropriate or is wrong. But the truth is when we can let all of the emotions flow in and through our actual physical bodies is when we can do some real healing and what better way to honor the person who has gone before us than to be able to heal some wounds of the past that they were not able to get to. And it is, I am sure that part of my role in this world right now is to bring this out into the light and say, we as humans are wildly capable. We have massive hearts that can hold all the emotions all at the same time. And that is not a bad thing. It's what makes us human. And when you can stand in that and be free, that is a deeply powerful healing experience. So I will leave it there this week. And I hope that through the ebb and flow of the sad 
and the funny and the joy at the end of this episode. I hope you were able to feel the healing. Sending big love out. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.